We're not ready yet. Blog Talk Radio. Here we go. This is all about wine. The talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Ron. Basically what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Rod. Yep. And we are actually on this week. Last week, we apologize. I we had audio problems on my end of it, and for some reason, it's okay now. And I we really do think it was Blog Talk Radio that was not living up to their contract. So. Uh, Pretty much it. Yeah. Yep. So we are good this week. We do have a guest tonight, Jody Battles, and uh, she's we've had bouncing around with her for a long time here, trying to get her on the show. Started way back during Hurricane Ian. When was that? November? No, it wasn't November. Uh, September. September twenty twenty eight, I think. Somewhere around the last part of September. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I know that. So that we know that very well. <laughs> yes, I can imagine you do. That will a day that will go down in infamy. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Still. Uh, yeah. Not as bad as it could have been, but. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but still. Uh, yeah. So we yeah. uh, we've been trying to get Jody on, and uh, uh she's not here. Let me go back and see if I've gotten a letter from her, or not a letter, what am I mean, a letter, a message from, I don't deal, you know, it's funny because I don't deal with a lot of these people directly. I always deal with their publicist or their whatever. I was mentioning this a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Lex, Lexi is... Lexi Sparrow is the one I've been dealing with on her. And uh, let's see. Well, the last one I got is that. Hmm. This is 26. Oh, don't tell me we're going to have another problem here. Lexi, I, last letter I sent, our last email I sent to her. Her response was, thanks for reaching out. I'm currently on a press trip and will be checking my email periodically throughout the week. I will return on Monday, January 30th. Well, okay, but... And if there's oh. an urgent matter, reach out to Cassandra. She's not back yet. She's not back yet, but if she's checking it periodically and we've had this scheduled... Hmm. Hmm. And she knows. Jody knows. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. <laughs> oh my God! The, the, <laughs> the stars and the planets are against us getting Jody on the show. Oh my God! This is unbelievable. <laughs> you know, really unbelievable. Um. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see where is what I want. Okay, uh, Jody Battles is the beverage director for JK Food Group, where she oversees beverage mm-hmm. menu development, importer relations, and staff education at acclaimed restaurants Toro, Copa, Little, and Little Donkey. In addition to the recently opened. Facia Bruta 
and Bar Polino, where she is also a partner alongside chefs Ken Oranger and Jamie Bisonette or Bisonette. And uh, it says that Ficia Bruda is the group's new coastal Italian restaurant, and Bar Polino is their new natural wine bar, inspired by the new generation of Paris wine bar showcasing an extensive list of wines with the focus on organic, natural, and biodynamic selections. So uh, that's just a little bit about Jody. Uh, she may not be here tonight. She may not be here tonight. Yes. Tune in. I don't know, do I have someone next week or not? I don't, I don't have the calendar in front of me. Uh, but she is... Our guest last week followed somewhat of the same path as Jody has. Working in restaurants and all that and and uh, doing that. So it's pretty cool. You know, 30 under 30 or 40 under 40 um, women in business in the wine business is really cool. So let's see. Oh, we got Jody's. Oh, wait a minute. I think Jody's in hold. Uh, she's in the green room right now. So let's get her on the show. Welcome to All About Wine, Jody. Hi, Ron. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? Oh, I'm doing quite well. Uh, we just reading a little bit about you. Mike and I were talking about how difficult it has been to get you on the show. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. We have been trying for quite a while, haven't we? Like, ever since the happened. hurricane, back in September. Uh, which <laughs> yes, I'm glad you made it through that okay. Yeah, well, we did, you know, finally. And and because uh, one that had some damage, and he's back home and doing well, and Everything is behind us, and we're uh, preparing for the next hurricane season. But we tried to get you on then, and there was no connection. And then we tried, like, you know, what, three, four other times, and then you were ill, and then we couldn't get through. And Oh, but glad you're on the show tonight. Finally. Yes, so likewise. Thank you for having me. Oh, it, it is a pleasure. Um, so I was just reading a little bit uh, of about your resume, if you will, about your uh, history of uh, where you are and what you're doing now, but I always like to have the person who didn't tell us about it instead of me telling about it. So how did you, uh, well, what's your background? How did you get all this knowledge and where you are now and uh, what you've done and all? I'll just let you tell your your story. Yeah, sure. Um, so I grew up on Cape Cod and uh, was in the restaurant industry from, you know, high school ages, college, all of that. Um, but I didn't really start to cut my teeth in the wine industry until I moved down to Charleston, South Carolina. Um, so I was down there. I ended up finishing school down there, and I was uh, working for a real estate development company in finance and, quite honestly, wasn't super – excited and inspired, uh, to put it kindly. So I um, I actually had a friend who uh, had an aunt that had a wine uh, retail shop that also functioned as a restaurant upstairs. So rather than a conventional wine list, she um, essentially let guests shop the store and then had a corkage fee sort of situation. No. Um, so yeah, it was a really cool, interesting thing. In I South that's Carolina. a cool idea. Yeah, really. Yeah, so they did. You know, we did a really big wine by the glass list, but then the bottle list was truly shopping the store. So it was a lot of fun, and it gave me. Yeah. I was really just helping her out on the weekends to start. You know, um, but it gave me a lot of exposure to a lot of wine really fast. And I had a really wonderful mentor at the time who sort of took me under her wing and started teaching me about wines, and you know, would send me home with three Pinot Noirs from all over the world. It was like, try these and go take home, take them home, sit with them, you know, really start to understand things. And mm -hmm. long story short, I was doing less and less at the finance 
company and more and more at the wine bar. And uh, <laughs> I ended up leaving to go be with them full time um, and really just kind of dove in head first. Really fell in love with the, the entire restaurant industry and the wine world specifically in, in a whole new way. So um, I was in Charleston for nine years and uh, worked at that restaurant for wine bar for a while. Uh, went to work for another hospitality group called Patrick Properties that has a number of properties in uh, downtown Charleston area. And I oversaw the wine program while I was the AGM and moved into a general manager position. Um, and while I was in that in Charleston for those nine years, I you know got my quartermaster sommelier certification. I did the oh. um, Society of Wine Educators and uh, did some stuff with La Danse Escoffier, so kind of really got a broad range of wine things happening. Um, mm-hmm. And then I moved uh, back to Boston. It'll almost be 10 years now, which is crazy to even say, <laughs> um, but <laughs> almost 10 years ago to work with uh, – Ken Oranger and Jamie Bissonette, who are uh, the chef partners of the restaurant group, uh, JK Food Group, that I'm with now. Um, so I started with them as the uh, GM at Toro, which is one of our flagship restaurants originally. It actually has its 17th anniversary party later this evening. Wow. Um, but it's a Spanish, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a, kind of an institution in Boston, which is cool. Um, but I, I started with them there and then had gone on to take over the wine program and the beverage program at Copa, which is our Italian Enoteca just down the street. Um, and we opened up Little Donkey, which is our uh, sort of internationally inspired small plates restaurant over in Cambridge on the other side of the river here in Boston. And then just recently this past May, we opened up uh, Faccia, Faccia and Barpolino, which is two concepts in one. Uh, that's with a very fun little niche wine bar downstairs and then Coastal Italian upstairs. So um, at this wow. point, I do the wine programs for all the whole group, and I'm a managing partner at the new property. So uh, it's been it's been a great ride so far. It sounds like it. it sounds exciting. Uh, Boston, I love Boston. Is my second favorite city in the whole world. I just absolutely fell in love. Oh no way. Oh, yeah, I love Boston. San Francisco being my first, but Boston comes in a very, very close second. I just uh, love the love the city of Boston. Um, it's just um, nothing to do with wine, yeah, but I have to place. share a story with you. I, I was Please. stationed at Fort Devens back when it was Fort Devens before it became a subdivision now. But I was stationed at Fort Devens. A friend of mine used to go he and I into town and on the weekends just to get away from being military and we would spend most weekends just sitting around the commons. We'd go in there on Saturday morning and come, you know, leave on Love Sunday it. afternoon. And it was it was great. I mean it was you know, the all the concerts we'd always get involved in pick up softball games or playing frisbee or something. One day he and I were there and there was two young ladies about our age sitting on a blanket, you know, not 10 yards from us. So as young men are wont to do, we went over and struck up a conversation with them. And we were talking for a while. They were born and raised there in Boston. They were in their first year of college. They had never been any further west than the middle of New York State. And they were, this was 1969, so I'll give you an idea. And they asked where we were from, and we said Kansas City, Missouri. And they both got very serious, and they looked at each other and looked at us and said, do they still have that problem there? And we said, what problem is that? And they said, well, you know, Indians. And these young ladies were serious. <laughs> they, no. They, yes, they were. They were very In 1969, they really thought the Midwest was having Indian problems. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and we go, no, oh. that's been taken care of about 100 years ago. <laughs> you know, but they were serious. Yeah. I mean, that's, I was like, that's a little sheltered. Uh, you know, New England girls who you know spent their whole life up there in that area. <laughs> but that's one of my favorite <laughs> stories. And a little postscript to that, I told that story to 
uh, a girl that was from Boston area. And when I finished the story, she says, oh, my God, you met my mother. <laughs> it was, you know, that naive. <laughs> but wow. Well, of, I hope they got to travel a little bit more. <laughs> yes, they, they hope they got to over the years, you know, definitely. But uh, one yeah. of my favorite stories. But, yeah, I love Boston. Boston is just is, is a great town. I absolutely love it. Nice. Love the time. Yeah, I have you been? When was the last time you were here? Oh, it's been years since I've been up there. In fact, it's before the big dig. Uh, I okay. Do do want to make it up there and see what that looks like? But uh, yes, yeah. yeah. Luckily, yeah. you're on the other side of it. That was a dark time around here, but <laughs> yeah. it's over. But it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a great town but, though, and it's a really cool town to be in this business because it's, there's such a very cool camaraderie. Um, in the restaurant community and in the wine community, even in Boston, which I just really adore. So yeah, it's, I do too. It's, it's competitive, but it's it's great. It's a great town, and, and you know the, the the commons and all that stuff just makes it so livable. I guess is the word I'm looking for because I just I love it there. Uh, yeah. You uh, you mentioned a list of certifications you have. Uh, how long did it take you to get those? Why did you decide to go to all the different uh, venues um, of the certifications? I mean, one of them could pretty much cover just about everything. Why? Yeah, sure. I, so when I was, I was younger at the time, and honestly, I I wanted to – really arm myself with knowledge and I felt like the certifications were a way for me to do that. And um, it was, I was also like a young female at the time and I wanted to prove myself and I was excited about the two different avenues of those particular schools for certifications with the court being much more focused on sort of like restaurant and service and that element of things. And then the Society of Wine Educators really diving deep into the educational side. Because for me, the education when it comes to wine uh, to this day, like even with my staff, is the backbone of what I do and what I believe in when it comes to empowering the people that work for you and that are excited and want to be coached and learn because that's the kind of exposure that I was given that gave me the drive and passion to want to pursue it to the point that it became my career. So uh, I liked that that was a different element of uh, thought and kind of the, the backside of the educational process being such a big focus with the Society of Wine Educators. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it, it, and like I say, there's so many different ways you can get the education on those, but you're right, the, the uh, restaurant and food service businesses seems to be with uh, – wine educators more than anything so uh, yeah you, uh, yeah and we have and we have a lot of people that do the w set in up this area as well now too which is a really great program also oh yeah, yeah. um the uh let's see what i read something about uh oh the uh, uh barpolino and uh yeah barpolino uh, you mentioned, I, I noticed on uh, a thing here that it was showcasing uh, organic, natural, biodynamic selections. Uh, I, I want to get your your thoughts on natural, biodynamic, and organic as opposed to just make a wine. I mean, is there, in your opinion, that big of a difference between all these different styles? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it comes down to, you know, the same principles that we kind of put in place when it's like the, for the chefs, for instance, that go, we have Copley Farmer's Market is a couple blocks away from the restaurant. So when that's at full operation, the chefs are literally taking a little wagon down there a few blocks away and sourcing from all of these local farmers, fishermen, um, that come actually, the fishermen come directly to the restaurant, but farmers, um, with vegetables, produce, cheese, you name it. So uh, the same way that, you know, the chefs have that approach of that, like, small artisanal people that aren't 
using additives for their agricultural product. I believe in the same philosophy as much as possible when it comes to the people that I'm showcasing on our shelves and in our glasses for the wines. Um, there's a lot of great wine out there, but in regular conventional wine, there's a lot of things that can be added to it that don't have to be on a label. And um, I, I think less is more. So, um, and I also, you know, in the, in the smaller production, um, minimal intervention world that we try to showcase, it's, it really is about the people that are making the wine too. So those connections and that human element of, you know, this is a wine by this couple who moved from Philadelphia and now they're in Willamette Valley and this is what they're doing and here's why we love their wine. That whole story and that whole piece really comes together for, um, for us in terms of what we're showcasing there as well. Mm, well, okay. I, you know, I just said, you know, the organic, natural, biodynamic of the style is really starting to become more and more popular. And I think people just aren't sure what, how to approach it, what, what they're looking for, what is, because most of them charge a little bit more and it's a, uh, well, it's like organic foods, you know, you, you charge a little bit more and a lot in foods, but people I think are confused yeah. about the one aspect of it. Yeah, that's so. I do think that it, it is that sort of, and that's where, you know, that's why for, for when we're trying to teach people about it or if people are asking and inquiring and, um, you know, excited to try to um, learn more about it, I always use that. Like, if you can go and get tomatoes from the gardener down the street versus going to buy them from a you know huge grocery store that you don't know where they're coming from or where they were grown or whatever it may be that you can taste the difference so no yeah um that same idea with you know less is more when it comes to less intervention and really it doesn't mean that it's any you know easier to make the wine necessarily even in my opinion i feel like a lot more effort goes into making an amazing wine without having to add anything to it to make it the right color or the right right you know, balance of acid or whatever it may be, but um, caring about what goes into the wines that are being made and what you're consuming, I think that consumers are more conscious of what they're consuming, whether that's wine or food or whatever it may be. Without question. I, um, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, the... Uh... <laughs> Uh, you know, it's it's uh, a, a big area now in, in wine. I'm seeing a lot of articles about organic, natural, and biodynamic. And uh, I'm, it can be confusing to the normal person, I think. Every time I read another article, I go, oh, yeah. But I think to most people, they don't understand the, the difference because they're not involved in wine except just to open up the bottle, pour a glass, and drink it. And there is so much more, like you yeah, say, involved yeah. in the actual uh, processing and all that of, of regular wines and so many things that can be added to it and all. So, yeah, okay. I, <laughs> um, you have, uh, you mentioned something earlier. Uh, about the, uh, the restaurants now that uh, you have. You are a manager of your restaurants and your How many people do you have in the uh, in, in the restaurants? How many people in the group total do you have? Oh, that's a hard one. I think right now probably it's somewhere in the, like I would say maybe like, 180, 160, somewhere around there. Wow. Once it's all, all told, yeah. Between the between, wow. and that's I mean between management and front of house and back of house. Right. So, um, yeah, Little Donkey and Faccia, Faccia are probably our our well are our two biggest locations, and then Copa is a little bit smaller. It's um, you know 10 tables, 11 bar seats. It's like our cozy little spot that you would find at the end of a dead end Ronin in Rome kind of location. <laughs> Um, so the staff's a, staff's a little smaller there, um, but yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty big uh, operation at this point, which is a lot of fun. So uh, yeah, I have a lot wow. of really great people 
that are excited in each of the locations, which makes it makes my job fun and definitely helps along the way. Uh, no doubt. I mean, wow, I didn't expect that you know, that many people to be involved in all this. And uh, so you are, do you hold classes on wine to educate people, or is it just as a wine comes up or something? What? How are you educating these people on on wine? Yeah, so we do it um, kind of multifaceted. So it's we do um, when new people come on board, we sort of do like a introductory. Here's what the programs are, just so they understand the um, each sort of unique approach. Because each of the restaurants, even if somebody's worked with us at a different um, location, each restaurant kind of has its own identity and its own personality, if you will, for the programs. Um, so kind of an introductory element and then we do something called wine words um which right now is uh twice a month at each location which is uh basically like a deeper dive into some subject of the wine world uh that again is pertinent for each individual program so you know for copa we might have just done one that was um specifically on red wines from piedmont so we you know went through various varietals, different aging, things like that. So kind of a more concentrated, focused topic. Uh, and I do that in different ways at each of the locations twice a month. Um, oh, wow. So that's, that. yeah, it's and it's a lot of fun. And everybody comes and we open up a bunch of bottles and taste things. But we'll do things like, you know, food and wine pairings or blind tastings or, you know, trying different styles of sparkling wine. I mean, the list kind of goes on and on. Um, but it's a lot of fun, and it's a great way to kind of get everybody together and taste and talk about things and learn together. And then aside from that, you know, anytime if we're putting new wines on by the bottle or by the glass um, or, you know, something at Barpolino, we do a special pour that's um, like special juice that we just happen to decide in on any given evening what, what specific wine we decide we want to pour by the glass. That's a special wine for whatever reason it may be. Um, so we'll always taste those with the teams prior to service as well so that anything new going on as much as possible, they're actually getting to try and taste and, you know, talk about what it would work with on the menu or who, if it's a more obscure varietal, uh, what we can relate it to that might be more approachable for a guest that hasn't, hasn't ever heard of something like Garganaga or anything along those lines. So kind of a daily education and then also sort of a more focused deep dive is the... It's a great program. I'm just I'm impressed with it, you know, all that. That's a very good way to get people involved and excited about the wine because that's the, the one of the biggest gaps I've found over the years is uh, when I had the winery, I would have restaurant owners uh, come to the winery, and then they say, "Could you come out and talk to the people?" You know, I mean, because the the, the wait staff is the actual connection, and uh, if they don't have that little bit of education, it can affect the whole system, if you will. So that's a great program. Totally. I, I, yeah, I'm impressed with that. Um, have you ever been overseas to to? Uh, any of the, the wine countries? I have, yeah. It's been a few I years think. now, sadly. I was, I, yeah, I did. The last trip I was supposed to do was a pretty, uh, a pretty large trip in Italy, and I actually had tickets and everything booked for March of 2020, and then uh, the world sort of fell apart. So that, you know, Italy actually yeah. went on lockdown like two days before we were supposed to fly over there. So that did not happen. <laughs> Um, oh, but I've done awful. some pretty <laughs> just like yeah, not, about not great timing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly right. <laughs> um, but I've done I've done some traveling in France. I've been uh, to Spain, uh, done some Italy, uh, Germany. So uh, I'm definitely overdue to get back over there uh, yeah. soon. Hopefully, those so, were yes. those were wine trips, specific wine trips that. Yeah. Was it, um, it yeah, we actually uh, the one the most recent time I was in Italy was more of a we went as actually a group with from the restaurant. So it was some chefs, um, the other managing partner along with myself, uh, some of the managers. Uh, so it was a whole collective group of us in a few different ways, and we went and you know it was actually a lot of fun inspiration for the the new location that we just opened but that trip was we did hit some wineries and 
tasted and had a lot of really great wines, but it was also pretty food focused as well and culturally and, you know, a little more of a all encompassing Italian trip. But aside from that, the other trips that I've done to Italy, Spain and uh, France have been very wine focused. Mm. So, like mm. I love the Loire. Loire is probably one of my favorite areas for wine oh, is it? to yeah. visit. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, do you um, feature specific wines at specific restaurants or, uh, well, like, uh, well, yeah. let's see. I mean, so I, each, yeah, there's no crossover. So all the restaurants, yes, totally. Um, each restaurant has its own program completely. Oh. So at Toro, it's, it's much more, I kind of stick to really just um, Spanish, Portuguese, a little bit of like Southern French, just over that sort of like Basque border in the islands, so Canary Islands, Mallorca mostly. Um, and then there's a few smatterings of things, like we'll play with some wines that are from um, California but are done with Tempranillo, so still having that sort of like Spanish connection. Mm-hmm. Um and then Copa is fully Italian, um, Little Donkey in the same kind of essence as the menu over there that's globally inspired. So is the list completely. So it's sort of a um, smattering of things from all over. Um, and then Faccia, Faccia has like a lot of coastal influence. Um, and it's like 50% Italian, but uh, lots of, with the menu being so coastally influenced, so is the wine program. And then Barplino has all more like a little more esoteric, a little bit more small producers, funkier things as well. So they each have, there isn't any crossover. Uh, so oh, cool. all the programs, sometimes they'll have like the same producer, but it will always be separate wines at, at, the, at the most. That's the most there's ever any of the same. So mm. do you, it sounds to me like you're doing mostly uh, the old world wines. Uh, do feature any New World wines, uh, California, New York? Yeah, we do. We, do you? Okay. Yeah, we have some, um, lots of Cal- lots of California, lots of, um, a decent amount of Oregon wines, a couple of Washington wines, um, a few things, you know, South America. So lots oh. of, it, it does have a pretty heavy Old World focus, but definitely lots of uh, New World as well, especially domestic. It seems like people overall aren't that familiar with Old World, and so therefore they would walk in and sit down and immediately think California or something like that. And then that area may be New York, but uh, uh, I suppose that's the education that your wait staff can impart on them about the difference. Yeah. So, you know, and expand yeah, totally. the knowledge. That's, you know, we'll be like... Yep. If you like, usually like a California Chardonnay at a certain time, try this, you know, Trebbiano from Italy that might have some same notes that you would like. So definitely trying to make it relatable and approachable for guests and for the staff because, you know, some staff come in with a lot of wine knowledge and are super excited and passionate about it already. And others are kind of learning about it for the first time. So it's, it's great to have them having a more tangible, easy way to digest things in smaller pieces as they're kind of learning and building that Rolodex. Is it hard to get a table in any of the restaurants uh, or has it became better after the pandemic has lessened? Yeah, I mean, it's, we've been really fortunate to stay pretty busy. Um, we, I think, you know, Faccia Faccia obviously is the newest of the, in the family, if you will. Um, and so they're probably booking out the farthest right now, but um, usually we always try to have room at the bars for walk-ins at the very least, and then a handful of tables. So uh, in the winter months, it's, you know, January in New England is so unpredictable, and knock on wood, we haven't <laughs> been buried in snow yet. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, that's always, yeah. I mean, literally, it might snow tonight. We'll see. But um, it's, it's, we stay busy. I wouldn't say we're, like, fully, you know, booked and don't have things available, but fortunate to stay busy for sure. Oh, yeah, that's a good thing. I mean, it's, with the pandemic, it has changed the world of restaurants completely. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was a a challenging time, and it was... you know, I think pivot is a word that we don't even like to have to use anymore because we did it so constantly. It was just, a, you know, 
forever evolving and um you know we're very fortunate to be on the other side of it with every all of our locations open and we learned a lot it definitely changed some systems but it is nice to have you know the restaurants feel like the um communal vibe that we've always tried to impart in them previously and that, back which is and which that is great. The bad times are behind and all that stuff too uh you totally. said the latest uh the latest restaurant uh are you looking at more? Uh, is this going to be expanding and around Boston or maybe even outside of the Boston area? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think um, we don't have anything that's, like, you know, solidified right now, but I would say that um, Ken and Jamie are, have definitely, you know, built a culture where it's kind of forever the mentality of, looking at what we can do next and better or different and sort of continually evolving and staying relevant. And I think that that inevitably leads to more projects. So this is our first location in um, six years and with two concepts wow. really happening in one, um, it, it's, it's been a big undertaking. So I think we'll probably keep focused on that for a minute and then you never know. I, I have to ask, simply because you hear it all the time, are you having any difficulty getting work staff or even chefs or anything when you do this stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's staffing is sort of a forever challenge. We, um, you know, we're, again, very fortunate to have sort of a core team of, um, from a management standpoint, that is, the tenure um, is pretty incredible, and we're so lucky for that and to have each other um, from, you know, an hourly standpoint, it definitely is still challenging. I think we would probably already be doing things like lunch service at the new location if we had more staffing to be able to do so, but it's just not really in the cards yet. Um, yeah. And that's something that is pretty common in, in Boston and really even from, you know, friends that are in the industry. And in the wide world, you know, yeah, you know, we used to do brunch services at some of the locations that we don't anymore or lunch services and we don't. So it's, you're still, the model has changed a little bit for sure. And some of that is dictated by the staffing, definitely. You know, I did, you know whenever you talk about restaurants or anything, uh, the staff is always a an issue, it seems like. And I just wondered if you'd had any more luck, but it's always been an issue with everyone, I suppose. Um, yeah, I, I, it's never ending. <laughs> I have to ask, uh, your daughter is what a year old now. Uh, she must be yeah, tenfold. She's nuts. Yeah, she's she'll be two in March now. Two. So she is. Uh, yes. Yep. I know. Crazy. Um, yeah, Regan is. She's a little ball of fire, Aries, and she's a lot of fun, but. <laughs> It, it was, you know, having having a one-year-old and having a new restaurant at the same time. I felt like I had two kids, so uh, <laughs> it was it, it was a lot balancing yeah. for sure. But keeps oh, me on my toes. <laughs> well, uh, you know, a two-year-old is our, you know, and I'm glad you said two instead of giving me that month thing. So, <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yeah, no, uh, I know. I don't do that yeah. anymore. Good, <laughs> so. good. Uh, you know, two-year-olds are a handful themselves. You know, it's oh my gosh, that's uh, they're they're yeah. famous. Yeah, famous too word. little. No. Yep. No. Mm, oh yes, yeah, that's her favorite. Yep. Favorite no word? and nope. No. Not nope is her new one. I'm like oh yeah. nope. nope, we don't want to do that. Okay. <laughs> yep. Nope. Yeah. So much notes in my house. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I know. Teaching her young. She already helped me do inventory last month. At the beginning of the oh, month, yeah. she came into Fachi for brunch and did a little helping counting thing. So getting her right. getting her in the swing of things early. Yeah, <laughs> next thing you have to do is pour a glass of Cabernet. I mean, it's... Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll teach her to open a <laughs> wine bottle by the time she's five for sure. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Mike, do you have any questions uh, for Jody? Uh, not at this time. Just enjoying it, taking notes as always, and uh, glad to finally have you on the show for sure. Yeah, just enjoying it. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you Mike. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's oh, we don't have Jody again tonight. You know, it's one of those things. 
Um, <laughs> so it's been going on. So uh, you, uh, I was going to say something. As always, I tend to forget the stuff that I'm, I was going to ask. Um, <laughs> hey, it happens to the best of us. <laughs> I'll tell you, me more than it should, though, I'm afraid. So the uh, 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 so the this is this is it. This is what you're you're going to do. This is what you're going to you know jump in and continue to jump in with both feet and uh, improve the Boston area with your restaurants and your wine list. Oh, yeah. I think. I mean, I I. I love where I am, and I love the group that I'm with, and I'm so excited and proud about what we've done over the years and what we kind of continue to do. And um, you know, it's been it's been an adventure for sure in various ways, and continues to be. And I think as long you know, continuing to feel challenged and supported and excited and surrounded by people that are passionate about what we're doing collectively, and you know leaning on each other in various areas of specialty or, you know, expertise and trying to continue to foster growth with the people around us and that are coming on board that can be, you know, the next GMs of the next project or the next wine bar or who knows what it is, um, is, is definitely, uh, become the path for me. That's, that's fantastic. That's fantastic to have that type of passion for something that, uh, you can, uh, really expand on and just look forward to going to work every day. Uh, your, your, the restaurants, give us, for the people out there, contact numbers, uh, emails, uh, Facebooks, all that for all the restaurants, if you know them off the top of your head. I'm not trying to, you know, but uh, anyone, if someone's traveling oh. to Boston and they want to visit Little donkey, then uh, you know all the information for all the different restaurants. Yeah, totally. Um, so I'll start right there with that one for you. So Little Donkey um, is over in Cambridge in Central Square. Um, the website is Little Donkey Boss B O S for Boston, of course. Uh, Little Donkey Boss dot com. Um, all of our restaurants are also uh, on Resi for reservation purposes, so that can be an easy way to uh, reserve a table. But you also, if you were to go, you know, say on Google, it, there's links for all of that stuff as well. Um, okay. But what, uh, Rez, the phone number. What, just to interrupt for a second here. Resi. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, I'm not familiar with that. Yes, Resi, uh, R-E-S-Y. It's um, comparable to Open Table. Um, so just the same kind of like online reservation platform, but they, uh, they do actually really great like industry newsletters. They kind of, uh, keep their finger on the pulse of what's happening, uh, in the restaurant world in general. So, uh, they're a really great platform. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a free, uh, you can create a profile and, um, it's a really great way to cultivate regulars and we love it. So it's, we do it's it all for everywhere, it's national or international or? Uh, yeah, Boston. yeah. I, you know, I know it's national. I don't know if it's international, honestly. Huh. Oh, never read but it's I've all never... over the U.S. now. Oh, yeah. Check it out. It. It's a cool I way will. to like check out because people can, you know, leave reviews and um, you can see all different areas if you, you know, happen if you're back in Boston, and you want to check out other places and stuff too. It'll give you all kinds of recommendations and stuff like that. It's really great. Resy dot com um, or not org or what? Uh, yeah, no, just dot com. Okay. Oh, R-E-S-Y-R-E-S-E dot com. Okay, I will definitely check on that. I've never heard of that. That's hmm. okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, I just you mentioned that and it just caught my ear no, there. Please. So uh, you were saying? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so contract. they're all on Resi, but the um, yes, the direct line for Little Donkey is six one seven. Nine four five one zero zero eight, and we also um, for anybody that's Instagram users, we have all of the restaurants are um, on Instagram and also kind of linked to each other. So if you're on any of our websites or um, any of our Instagrams, it'll say like part of JK Food Group and all of our sister spots. So that can be super helpful. Uh, 
Is any um, of the other restaurant sites have uh, the O after it, like Little Donkey? Um, for the actual websites, so they do yeah. they do differ a little bit. Like for um, for Fatia Fatia, it's Fatia Fatia Boston dot com rather than the DOS. Oh. Um, okay. And that's again, that's our newest location with Barpolino underneath it. Okay. Um, Fatia Fatia does take reservations, um, and again through Resi or the direct line there is eight five seven. Nine nine one one zero eight zero, and the only thing of note there is that Bar Polino is uh, walk-ins only, so it's first come first serve. Oh. Um, yes, so it's a okay. smaller, like much more um, intimate, and we only have like a small bar bites menu down there, so much more extensive wine program, but a smaller food program. Um, nice. But it's kind of great. You know, a lot of people tend to go there for drinks or drinks and some snacks um, and make a night of it, or you can go, you know, for a drink before dinner, uh, a glass of wine after dinner from upstairs, all of that. So it's kind of fun to be able to experience both in one spot. Now, if someone's traveling to the Boston area, would it be wise to get reservations in advance for those? Are you that busy, or is there usually... Yeah, I would would usually say at, at least for any locations to check two weeks in advance probably. Um, We do have stuff that opens up a little bit more closer, like day of if there's cancellations um, and things of that nature. But uh, to be safe, two weeks prior would probably be your best bet. Yeah, don't count on a a cancellation or something. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And depending on party size, of course, you know, if it's a party of six versus two people that want bar seats, you know, changes Mm, availability, of course. All right, all right, very um, good. Uh, Facebook, all, yeah. all those on Facebook? They are, yes. Okay, just their name, Facebook, and their name yep, slash? Yes, exactly. Okay, okay, very good. All right, uh, well, uh, any, Mike, any any comments to uh, Jody before we say goodnight? She's got, a, she's got a party to go to tonight, she said earlier, so... Oh, wow. I do, uh, yeah. 17 yeah. years at Toro tonight. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, nope, I'm looking at uh, all the chats and everything. Everything is good there. Uh, I, I uh, don't have anything myself. Sorry about that. Oh, um, no, that's, that's fine. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Okay. So, Jody, well, you know, you mentioned your party, so I'm going to I'm gonna let you go to that. And... Uh, Thank you so much for finally taking the time to get on with us, and I'm glad <laughs> after all of our attempts and all of our problems and everything, we finally got a chance to talk with you. So uh sounds like an exciting yes, thing up too. there, and next time I go visit my second favorite city in the world, I will definitely try to make it to one of those restaurants. And, uh, yeah. Uh, well, please do. We'd love to have you uh, in. And thank you so much for having me. It's been such a joy to chat with you guys. Yes, it is. I finally get around to it, and it was great. So best of luck to you and and all that you're doing. And when you open up your next restaurant, then get in touch. We'll get you on again let you talk about it. Yes, sounds great. It's a plan. Hopefully we'll see you in Boston, too. Okay, very good. Thanks a lot now. Have a good evening. Thank you. Have a good evening. Thank you. Enjoy the party. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. Bye now. All right. There she goes. So, okay. yeah, got the notice. What time is it? Uh, 740, 7.48 right. p.m. Eastern Time. Wow. Yeah. Any, uh, uh, yeah, I don't see any, uh, no comments yet. Uh, I thought for sure maybe there would be something. Uh, people. Okay. People well, uh, um, last week lost us and trying to get yeah. caught back up. You know. um, I, uh, since we have a few minutes here, I found an article that's rather short, and I was... I want to, I, I think I'm going to read it, and that way it gets the full 
impact of this. And since Jody just mentioned Spain and Portugal and all that other areas, this article is from a website that I subscribe to called Nice News, N-I-C-E, Nice News. And this is from you know, three days ago. Headline, How Old Spanish Vines May Bring New Hope to the Wine Industry in the Face of Climate Change, which we know how climate change is starting to affect some of the vines with the heat. But let me read this, and it's, you know, maybe, you know, seven, eight-minute read here. So, uh, Julia Diddy wrote this article. Winemaking has been around for a long time, at least 8,000 years, give or take, according to archaeological evidence. As with most crop-reliant industries, climate change is starting to impact wine production due to extreme weather and rising temperatures. Increased heat has been causing grapes to mature faster, resulting in higher alcohol content and weaker colors and aromas. But according to a recent article published by Bruders, a research laboratory located in La Roja, Spain, is determined to utilize the latest scientific techniques to salvage the future of winemaking. There is a lot on the line, or shall we say vine, for Spain, the world's third largest wine producer following Italy and France. Its winemaking industry is valued at just under $5 billion per the outlet. The rural region of north-central Spain, in particular, which includes the provinces of La Rojo, Alava, and Navarra, encompasses roughly 157,000 acres of vineyards. Outside of La Rojo's capital, uh, Lagrono, I believe it's pronounced, researchers at the Institut de Cianesias de la Vida Del Vino, or Institute of Vine and Wine Scientists, uh, scientists are also known by the Spanish acronym ICVB, which would have been a lot easier to pronounce for me instead of trying to destroy that Spanish. They have been hard at work studying the genomes of grape varieties in the region with an eye toward identifying which grape types are more resistant to climate change. According to ICVV Director Jose Miguel Martinez Zabater, the publicly funded lab is the only one in Spain and one of only a few in the world that has been conducting full molecular analysis of vines for this purpose. Their findings are helping to shape a brighter future for winemakers who have been hard hit by the effects of climate change over the past several years. In the province of La Rojo, specifically, production has decreased 5 to 10% over the past four years because of less rainfall and higher temperatures. The technique of resequencing genomes allows for the identification of specific mutations responsible for diseases in human populations, according to the director. The same technology is applied for grapevines, but we are looking for traits that can make the vines be better adapted to environmental conditions. Geneticist researcher Pablo Carbonell said the Institute has been encouraging winemakers to plant certain types of vines that have been proven to be more adaptable to climate change conditions. It seems that mature vines are more viable thanks to their genetic diversity, with vines that are 35 years old or older showing a greater greater resilience than younger ones. A local vineyard not far from the ICVV serves as a scientific bank of sorts. For the past three decades, vines up to 100 years old have been yielded or have yielded cuttings that are then planted, recovering older grape varieties with long ripening times and crossing varieties are other approaching or are other approaches being utilized by the researchers. This year, the ICVV began producing wine experimentally, and thus far, the results are worthy of offering up a celebratory toast to the climate-resilient vines still yield good wine. 
Reuters reported, as scientists continued to apply the latest techniques and strategies to the task, cautious optimism remains the order of the day for winemakers and wine lovers the world over. So, there you go. It's good news, bad news type thing, but it seems that old vines might be the key to it. Uh, younger vines maybe can build up some resistance, and so therefore it's not going to be as critical on heat waves. I mean, this is good for California. They are out of their drought now. They're saying, uh, you know, not completely, but the rains, the the atmospheric rivers uh, that went through the last, you know, three or four weeks uh, filled up reservoirs and did a lot of good, but it's not completely out of question that they might not just fall right back into another drought this summer. And so the grapevines are going to have to become more tolerant of these conditions. And it looks like with some genetic research, they can find the grapevines that will survive and will not be affected so much by the drought. How it will affect the taste, I, I don't know. It uh, depends on what the vineyard and the winemaker does. Uh, like we were just talking to Jody about the biodynamic and natural and uh, organic, uh, that you might see the taste difference on certain wines as opposed to ones that they can manipulate a little bit and bring out some of the flavor profiles that they're looking for. Who knows? Uh, we'll see. But it's an issue with the climate change and the and the droughts and the heavy rainfalls and all that. And the grapevines are the ones that are out there in the middle of all this and having the sunshine and the rains and the flooded fields and stuff. Uh, I've seen some pictures of California and the vineyards, uh, bottom are in the water, but it's not critical right now because they are in the dormant stage, and so that's one blessing for it. If these atmospheric rivers were to come in in the middle of the summer, it would be devastating, but this is a little bit less devastating. You can't have them, the grapevines in standing water too long because if you did, it they will drown. And you know, because they have to breathe the roots and stuff like that. But as it stands right now, I have not read any reports or anything that has caused any major damage to vineyards. So even though some of these vineyards you can see are underwater, it's not uh, critical as of yet. So, but maybe a place like ICVV in Spain, and they said a few more places around the world might come up with a grapes and ideas of how to help us traverse through the climate change. So we hope so. But there you go. I wanted to re I, I saw that and I thought that was an interesting little approach to the climate change. I wanted to share that. Mm -hmm. so. Well, uh do you have any other news items to add to? Uh we have uh, it's uh no. seven fifty seven, seven fifty eight. 58, yeah. Oh, well, call it, uh, call okay. it the, uh, what's this? Oh, IKEA. Next article says the nonprofit making IKEA style flat pack homes to help refugees. And it shows these homes that are just brought in on a pallet and they just put them up and it's uh how many square feet does it say oh i'm sure it did so i passed by it but uh let's see seven thousand homes easy to assemble uh no it doesn't say how many square feet there are but they're just you know like it looks like about a uh thousand square feet homes that you just assemble, and it takes just a few people about an hour to put the thing together, and you've got yourself a home, a shelter. And it's, hmm. oh, it was the next article here. I just screwed down to see what was down there, and there it was. That's interesting. 
He says, well, help refugees. It says, with the number of refugees predicted to rise to 1.2 billion by 2050, the better shelter are increasingly better way to do it. So, well, interesting. Okay, well, yeah. nothing to do about why, but I just saw that. And just they, had those, they had homes like that, I think, back in the, uh, oh, when was when was uh, Sears used to sell homes like that in a kit that you could yes, uh, they did. build um, back in the, I don't know, was it 1800s, 1900s? I forgot when it, when it was. It was there's late, one late that I know of. There's one that I know of that I've I've seen before. It's in Hyde Park in Tampa, and uh, still standing. And it was like one of the first you know ones sold. You could buy it out of a catalog and say, "Oh, I want that," and then they send it to you. <laughs> wow. Um, That's cool. Okay. Well, they have homes now. Hmm. I, a friend of mine's going to have a home delivered to him. And it's located in Alabama, the manufacturing plant. But you go up there, and they have like four or five sample homes. And you go up there, and you say, okay, I like this style. And you can have it modified. If it's a three-bedroom, you can have have it modified so that the living room is bigger, and you take away a bedroom, or you can do it. And it's really a lot cheaper, and you just come in, you lay a slab, and, and just put it up on your slab. Uh, open up the installation or the the uh, parts menu, and go. Okay, uh, step one of three thirty thousand. Yeah, that's uh, it. That's it. it. Like yeah, putting together it, furniture. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really it's really pretty mm. cool though. I was talking to him about it, and oh. you know, you can you can get it in different configurations. You can you know. Mm. You can move it around. You can get bigger ones. You can get a little bit smaller ones. Depends which one you want to do and all that. But it's they wow. just deliver the whole thing already assembled in oh, a okay. flat bed, and you just put yeah. up the walls and everything. It's just uh, that's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's a cool concept. Hmm. Yeah. And then the 3D yeah. printing homes. Have you seen that lately? Yes. Yeah. I've, I've seen them working on those. Wow. What I know. What are you doing? 3D. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah. Pretty interesting uh, stuff. It is. Oh, it really, what a, what a uh, world we live in. You know? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yep. Um, well, uh, let's see. Tonight's low. Please uh, pray for us because tonight's low is going to be around 45 degrees, at least here oh, in Central Florida. I don't know how we're going uh, to have that same thing here, too. At 7 a.m. Yeah. yeah. Get the yeah. winter clothes out, the ski ski uh, uh, stuff, and get ready. Um, and then uh, tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow's supposed to be a, a pretty mild day, uh, like in the 60s, uh, which is, you know. Yeah, cool. the low, so. maybe the high is 65, mm. and then it's going to drop down again, yeah. cold again, Friday night. Yep. And then we'll be back in the 80s on Sunday and Monday. So there we go. Yeah. Well, they said that you know, this is the last blast of cold weather this year, and we should, oh, should, should become Florida stay. again. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I kind of kind of wish it would stay a little longer sometimes. Yeah, I'm Especially sure you do. June and July. Was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, June and July. July. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's see. Our next show is going to be February 2nd. That's uh, next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Yeah, yeah, we're in February already. Is that Groundhog uh, Day? Is that second Groundhog Day? I don't know. I mean, uh, second? On a Thursday? First. Yeah, it might not be. February 2nd. Yeah, the first official will happen on February 2nd. So, um, guessing so. Yep, Groundhog Day, February 2nd. So, you know, I mean, <laughs> it would be understandable if we just played an old show. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> little flashback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gee, uh, we've heard this before. What's going on here? This is Groundhog Day. Yeah, right. But we'll <laughs> act like it's live. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, <laughs> interesting. Okay. Uh yeah, I'll have oh, to well. see if I can put them together. I don't know. Um, but anyway, we'll have a show some of some kind next week. We'll so, have a show uh, next week. Yeah, 
Yeah. Join us and uh, thank you all for tuning in tonight and have a great weekend. Stay warm. Um, thank Jody and, again as our guest. Yes, thank you Jody. for joining yeah. us tonight, Jody. Yeah, that was very good. And she's up there where it's yeah. always cold. So Yes. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. She said no snow, but yeah. oh, my gosh. She, the snow is not the criteria. It's the fact that it's 20 below is the criteria up there. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and blowing wind. And, and yeah, blowing wind off. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Have a great weekend. Uh, be safe. Drink wine, and we'll talk to you next weekend. Or next talk week. to you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Thank you. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show. Visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. Turn off your turn off. There's the show. Okay. Back to the green room. Go to the green room.